0: this is a fresh agenda conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work here is your host christina mendonza i'm christina mendonza welcome to this tiny spot in the podcast universe glad to have you here for a while today i'm chatting with colette carlson she is a human behavior expert Her articles on connection and stress management, sales and leadership have been featured in Success, Business Management Daily and Working Mother magazines. She's also speaking at an upcoming women's conference, which I get to emcee and I'll detail that at the end of the podcast. She is a global speaker to large companies and a delight. I'm gonna chat with her today about staying focused in times of change, adversity and uncertainty. Now we've got all that swirling around this year. But knowing what Colette knows about human behavior, having studied it for so long, she has some great strategies and she's a lot of fun too. But first I want to chat about a couple of things on my mind as we enter the holiday season. I know the state of resilience in the country is being tested as the pandemic enters the holiday season. Our our surge capacity is really being tested as uh, what was first seen as a short-term issue. Remember that? Uh, Three weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. Now we know it's long-term and it's probably going to be Uh, Well, it's going to stretch probably well into next year. That's what a lot of us are thinking. There's going to be a lot going on. And my hope is that you're caring for your mental health as well as your physical health and finding strategies to adapt. I've been trying to carve out like an hour in the afternoon and evening where I'm not connected to any device. I write longhand. Sometimes I have a topic in mind. Sometimes I just let my mind wander. I've been thinking a lot about decisions lately. There's a massive migration of people physically moving from one area to another, and this is all fueled by the pandemic. Mentally, they're moving. Some have had to move on to other jobs. Relationships are changing. Attitudes are changing. There's kind of this psychic shift, this spiritual shift, new routines, new coping strategies being developed. Sometimes it's just the realization that you have a big decision to make, and maybe you're waiting until after the pandemic to make it. I'm reading a great book on how to decide. It's by a woman named Annie Duke, and she's been researching this for quite a while. The book is called How to Decide, and she presents some excellent research on decision making, including these six steps for better decision making. Identify the reasonable set of outcomes. You can do this by building what she calls a decision tree. It's a lot better than a pros and cons list. Identify your preference by looking at potential payoffs estimate the likelihood of each outcome unfolding, assess the likelihood of outcomes you like and dislike, repeat steps one through four for other options under consideration, and then compare the outcomes to one another. Now, the other part of the book I found really interesting and valuable and something I passed on to my own daughters was the advice to make quick decisions under two criteria. Will it matter in a year? And will the option repeat itself a lot? like, you know, what do I have for dinner or what should I watch on Netflix? Those are options that repeat themselves a lot. Making quick decisions based on those two criteria, will it matter in a year and will the option repeat itself gives you needed decision-making muscle. It's gonna give you feedback about yourself that will help when it's time to make the bigger decisions. Uh, one decision a lot of HR directors has to have to make, <laughs> uh, what kind of employee training to trust which is why I want to tell you about a company I do a lot of work with. It's called mycecourse.com. We work with a team of attorneys and insurance professionals and award-winning broadcast personalities and filmmakers to produce education that is both informative and interesting. So sexual harassment training, responsible beverage service, COVID certifications. We did a training on human trafficking that's great for people who run hotels or hospitality. It is education that is relevant and compliant and entertaining, if I may dare say so myself. Tell your HR director about mycecourse.com. All right, here's my conversation with Colette Carlson. Well, Colette, how are you this morning?
1: Well, thank you for asking. Thrilled to be here, Christina.
0: Great. Great. So what is on your mind lately? I know that you have been uh, have been speaking for many years now, but with the pandemic and, and things are a little bit differently, I know that you're doing uh, doing things more virtually now, but what topics are really uh, in demand or what, is it, what do people want to know at this time?
1: Well, my focus is really about the power of connection as it applies to leadership, sales, and stress. And so I find that people are reaching out to me for one of two reasons. They're looking for ways to stay virtually connected to people that they work with and still show up and be there for them or they're looking for ways to help their teens uh, become more resilient and stress less, given all the uncertainty.
0: Right. You know, I just look at our, our office space here at the uh, the radio station, and I mean, the halls are empty. There are a few of us here working, uh, but we're all kind of trying to connect through email and keep up with each other. There is a, a loss of a sense of esprit de corps when you're not seeing each other Every day, how do we try to keep connected to people that we work with in a way that's professional, but also um, helps everyone further their goals at work?
1: First of all, you have to make the effort. So it's too easy to say, "Oh, I it would be great to reach out and connect with so and so," and then you know, ten more emails come in, and you set that agenda aside. So I think that the offices or the teams that have been most successful at staying connected, they, they make play dates, right? I mean, it's the same thing as whether you make an exercise date with yourself, a date with your partner, uh, or a date with somebody that you work with. And by date, I simply mean setting aside time to be present with one another. And so the teams that have continued that through the pandemic uh, stay strong. So, for some teams, that means that they are getting together still every Tuesday at 3 p.m., whatever time zone they're in, and each week they have a quest to show up a different way based on who volunteered to run that week. So it could be as silly as, you know, crazy hat day or dress up day since everybody's dressing down now or bring your family in or let's cook together. Uh, In fact, I just worked with a team in Microsoft in the Middle East and Africa, and they are getting together and bringing each other in their kitchens and showing what they're making for dinner. So they're trying to create connection outside of the day-to-day structure of typical communication. That's and then a there's great... the companies who, yeah, I mean, please jump in.
0: So that's a great idea. I love bringing people into your kitchen. I mean, food anyway is just such a, a touch point for people. So to bring them into the heart of your home and show them what you're making, that's a fabulous idea.
1: Yes, I think that a lot of us have to let go of our need to have everything be perfect, which is very difficult for some, myself included. It's, you know, I, I joke that I'm a perfectionist in recovery, but recovery is still a long way out in the future. Um, and, and really allow people to show up in your home without you worrying so much about your backdrop. And I mean, there's times, right, when you need to have a professional backdrop because mm-hmm. you may be on an interview or you're meeting with with a client, uh, but not being as concerned about what that looks like when you're with the people you work with and are closest to. And we're, we're becoming, the teams that are working through this are actually becoming closer and more authentic and more transparent. Do you remember Christina a few years back when the BBC uh, interview took place? The professor was in his home in North Korea, and his daughter uh, sashayed into the room with joy and all of a sudden here came the baby and the walker and then you saw what turned out to be the mother flying in. It looked like she'd just been going to the bathroom and yes. pulling them out and, and it went viral and we howled and it made you know world news and he was so I mean the father was literally shoving his daughter's face. Uh, of the camera. <laughs> well, what? because the pandemic has, in my opinion, fast-forwarded us technology-wise five years, like we just fast-forwarded five years, we have all become much more compassionate and forgiving and accepting um, the cat walking across the keyboard. It's almost like invite your pet in or your child in uh, and welcome them to the this world that you live in. And so in some respects, you know, when, when people are willing to let others see them and not be concerned that they live in a small house or that their office is the corner of a dining room table, um, that's when real connection can happen. But it requires commitment and time.
0: Right. Right. Well, I loved your Microsoft example. And yes, I do remember that BBC report that was, it did, it was hysterical and it, it made news. And now it seems like we're seeing that kind of thing so much more than, and I guess that leads as your as to your point to the authenticity um, and the um, relatability that we all have with each other.
1: Absolutely. At our, at our core, we are all the same. And the sooner we recognize that, the sooner the entire planet heals. <laughs>
0: All right. Let's talk a little bit about the feelings of stress that also come with this oh pandemic. My. I mean, in addition, some people have lost their jobs. Obviously, that's you know a difficulty in that they are going to have to look uh, for another job from home. Uh, but you know, for others that just maybe have a lot more to do, like for instance, my husband's a teacher. I mean, his job has changed dramatically uh, both for him and you know his coworkers with much more to do on a day-to-day basis. How is, is stress impacting us during the this time
1: it's impacting us it's it's a everyday serious situation and what is happening is not enough people who are who are dealing with these stresses make the time to do what I call complete the cycle and get that stress out of our body and then the next thing you know, we're doing it again the next day. So, yes, I mean, this pandemic has up-leveled most people's stress, even if they're saying, well, I don't have stress. So, consciously, it's present. Um, and so... We're finding, you know, through the research right now, for example, that not just your husband dealing with the technology and the increase in the workload, um, but women as a whole are really bearing the brunt of the, everybody being in the house all the time and homeschooling and trying to still run their careers. Um, although there's more sharing than ever, it's still falling on the woman. So stress is high. And companies and individuals really need to recognize that even if they're not breaking out in hives or having anxiety attacks, that it is present and they're almost in a crisis fatigue. You know, we, so many of us go through the stages of grief uh, when we're dealing with stress. And I think, you know, you, you get angry, you get denial, I mean, all those things. And not enough of us, in my opinion, are allowing the emotion to come up with it. We're going through the motions, but we're not going through the emotions. And we're doing that to protect ourselves or avoid facing what we feel, but we've got to kind of go through that tunnel and feel it in order to reset ourselves, reset our mindset, reset our body, and actually be able the next day to handle it once again because it otherwise just becomes compounded.
0: When you talk to your clients about this, um, you know, what do you suggest for relieving some of that stress? I mean, we've heard about meditation. Uh, we've heard of, you know, some people, some people turn, which is not a great thing to alcohol or something to calm them. Uh, some people turn to exercise. I mean, are, beyond those kind of obvious things that we keep hearing, is there anything you suggest to your clients to do to relieve some of that stress?
1: Well, the ones that you mentioned really are impactful. So I will tell you straight up, I am a person who only loves completing exercise. Okay. I, I don't, I, when I'm out actually moving or walking or whatever, I'm not saying I'm having a bad time, uh-huh. but I'm not somebody who goes, Oh, let's go exercise today. Right. It is something I force myself to do because I know what it does for my body and it, it releases the stress. Walking outside specifically even for 10 minutes can kick in the good endorphins and it's a miracle grow for the brain. So I don't want to lose that. That probably is the most effective way to complete the stress cycle. Um, and, yes, breathing and meditation. I find myself breathing more than ever uh, because – it's necessary, and meditation, I think people think we need to really sit there and, you know, be yogi-like, but in reality what meditation does is it simply helps us learn to control our brain patterns. And so when you can be disciplined enough to let your mind, you're meditating and then your mind wanders and you bring it back to your breath, you know, and even if you do it for 30 seconds and then you bring it back to your breath. Well, each time you're bringing it back to your breath, what you're doing is brain training. And so what that's allowing you to do is the next time somebody comes at you with something that's going to stress you out, a stressor, it gives you that space to respond rather than react. So that's all you're doing by meditating. not all you're doing, but I mean, that's a key component of meditating is brain training. Um, I also encourage people to come up with a physical anchor, because a physical anchor, if you do something that physically changes your state, it kind of hijacks you away from that spinning in your brain and building the stress. Um, So with that said, you know, I actually, and I'm going to probably bring this up when I'm um, in my presentations, I, I share this. I went online and I learned the sign language for let it go. (laughs) And every time I start to feel that stress, I just physically do the sign language for it in a very dramatic way. And it's a real fast way to reset my mindset. Nice. Taking a break, right? Pushing away from your desk and taking a break, a physical move, just get up and move because movement changes your state. So uh, go to the Go to the, a sink, wash your hands. But while you're washing your hands, be focused on the moment. So you're being very mindful about washing your hands. You're feeling your the soap and the water rush over your hands. And I even have a mantra. I say, I go with the flow. I go with the flow while I'm doing that. Again, it brings you back to the present uh, When it's something larger, I mean, when you really have to deal with something, then I always encourage people to run it by what I call the take control or let it go test, which is asking yourself, is this in or out of my control? And if it is in your control, then the faster that you can take some small form of action to move towards a resolution – then that, so you're going to narrow the space between your first feeling of the stress and the action. When you take action towards what's stressing you out, it's like your subconscious then says, okay, okay, I can relax, they're on it. I can, I can take a breath here and they're, they're taking action, so this is good. So for an example, that might be someone who has lost their job. Um, just even going on LinkedIn and polishing up their profile the next time they feel stress about that. Then allows them to say, "Okay, you know, I took some action towards it, and therefore, it's gonna it's gonna be okay."
0: Hmm, I like that. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into this industry. How did you How did you come to be speaking around the world uh, to all these companies about human connection and stress relief and all of the other topics that you hit upon? How did that happen?
1: Like most of us that end up in this profession, it wasn't something that we set out to do. At my core, my mother was a school teacher on the south side of Chicago, and I always wanted to be a teacher. And in fact, my oldest daughter is a teacher. Uh, But my mother at the time, because there was so much opportunity for women in the work world, really encouraged my sister and I to choose something in the business world. And it wasn't until I witnessed uh, a couple of sales trainers that I ended up going to work for, Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy. They traveled the country teaching people how to sell. And I became a field sales rep, which meant I lived on the road and I delivered 45-minute presentations of their material and then would pre-sell seats to their seminar in that city that I recognized how much I loved standing up and teaching and I'm, so I said, okay, I'm just going to teach adults. And so it was a combination of that along with the fact that I genuinely love people and I just, it, it, it pains me to see people in pain when they simply need to embrace a new behavior to work through it. And I also had to work through some of my own behaviors. I used to be 50 pounds heavier. Uh, I was a compulsive overeater starting in late high school through my 20s, like through my mid-20s, as a way of pushing down and avoiding anything that feel uncomfortable. So, in other words, I did not do vulnerability, and I had to learn how. How to go through all those emotions and grow through my fears, and as I did that, I realized how facing our fears is so much easier than avoiding them, and yet that's what, we, what most of us have a tendency to do. Mm-hmm. So when, I think like anything, when you realize how wonderful something is, I'm just the type of person who wants to share it with the world. And so I started in that personal development field, specifically teaching sales and personal development. And then I ended up, you know, having a couple of children and being married. And I realized um, the stress that came from trying to do it all and do it all well. And that's when I really started to get into working with uh, specifically women at that time, helping them create boundaries and learn how to manage their lives more effectively. And as I went out and did it for women, they, they kept coming back and saying, but we want you to speak to our males as well. And so I continued to learn and grow in the industry to bring the whole stress equation into it and ended up where I'm at today.
0: Huh. That's great. I mean to find something that you uh, you know that love to do that fills you with purpose that's you know what all of us of course want to do. Let's talk a little bit about the um the event, the upcoming uh, Folsom Women's Conference. Uh, you're going to be doing a presentation. What what exactly will be the topic and what do you hope to uh communicate to to women?
1: Absolutely. Well, it's the the topic is stress less, connect more, <laughs> and my goal is that at the when the women walk out of the door, uh, we have laughed hard together. Uh, number one, number two, I'm going to give them some real practical tools to deal with what's on their plate, and third, I am going to. My goal is that they leave there recognizing how much they do rather than what is undone.
0: Ah, yes. So important. I mean, w- women in general, I read something recently, an article that said a lot of women in the workforce are, are leaving or like putting their careers on hold during the pandemic because they're so overloaded with the uh, things that they have to do at home, with the, with the online learning and just trying to manage, you know, the increased activity within
1: the home. Absolutely, we we stress the most when we feel out of control. When there's uncertainty in the air. Well, hello, right? I mean, <laughs> this is we are all walking around with question marks over our heads. When might we go back to work? When might my children go back to school? My how how involved can I get in this project if I am also required to be present here in my house and do X Y Z with the family? So. It is overwhelming, and there's no clear answers. And so that's when it's toughest, when there's no end date. And this is where that fatigue and stress continues. And, yes, women are stepping out because, unfortunately, we feel the burden of responsibility. And sometimes that burden is our own. I mean, there's, there's a lot of women who carry a lot of guilt around with them for not being able to be the perfect stay-at-home mother or the perfect career woman or the perfect partner. Um, and, you know, we can't do it all. We can't have it all. We can have what we need and desire at a certain time, but I think this myth that too many women get shoved down our throats through advertising is that we're supposed to be able to do everything our mothers did, everything our fathers did, and do it well. And if we fail even the least bit shy of that, we're not doing enough. And I love and adore men. And if a man does anything beyond what his father did, the world applauds.
0: Yes, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of um, my own husband, who does quite a bit. But you're right, when I think of my own father or his father, uh, it was a very different time. In fact, I had a, a chance to talk to a, an author, Ada Calhoun, who wrote a book about Generation X women, you know, growing up with the Anjali perfume commercials, telling women they could <laughs> do it all, and and how tiring, how tired many of us are.
1: yeah. And I mean, here comes the holidays, right? So again, who's going to carry the burden? And, and I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's a burden of the holidays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who's going to, who's going to get the guests? who's going to decorate the house, who's going to do all these things. So this is why one of the things that I really talk a lot about with anybody, male or female is managing our expectations. Because whose expectation is it? Is it yours? Is it society's? Is it your mother's? Is it your father? I mean, to have your house have to look a certain way because it's the holiday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a lot of our stress and anxiety, we are putting on ourselves based on some image of who we think we should be.
0: Right. Right. Or what, you know, what kind of... What kind of home we want to keep up or ho- during the holidays for the kids, because we, we don't want the kids' lives to change so much because their lives have already changed so much. You know, I'm curious about the concept of resiliency and what this pandemic mm-hmm. is doing in terms of helping all of us become more resilient. Is that, is that a topic that you've looked into or a topic you have thoughts on?
1: Yes, uh, it is. And here's something that I found very interesting, and I hope I will articulate it accurately. There was a recent study done and looked at who, right now through the pandemic, is the most resilient. And the individuals through the study anticipated that the results would show that the people who had the least amount of effect, COVID pandemic effect in their lives would be most resilient. In other words, they had the least amount to deal with. Mm-hmm based on the pandemic. And the research showed the exact opposite. The individuals, and this was a worldwide study, the individuals who had the most um, hands-on personal people in their lives that either had COVID in their family or had to deal with people that had COVID, in other words, people who Truly, we're experiencing the pandemic, not just hearing about or getting laid off or, you know, the results right. of the pandemic. Those individuals were the ones with the highest resilience. Hmm, That so is interesting. What it, isn't it? And so I think what it really is, it, 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 it aligns with what we already know to be true. And that is we grow the most through our pain. Most of us do not change or get stronger when life is rolling along how we like it to roll. It's when we have a challenge in front of us and we, instead of, we find the strength to go through it and come out the other side and then build on the fact that we did survive this and we're still here to tell the story. That's where resilience comes from. So now keep in mind, that means that you're also starting out with strong mental health. Um, so I never want people who struggle, for example, with mental illness to expect themselves to just be resilient. Because maybe, the, maybe their body chemistry isn't set up that way. Mm-hmm. Right. However, if you, you, right, so I I don't, that's why I'm not somebody who likes to just say, oh, if you do these things, you can, you know, get through anything. Yeah, suck it up, buttercup. No,
0: yeah, exactly. Some people don't have the, don't have the, the tools, the tools to be able to do that. But I, I think it exactly. interesting that the, what yeah. the study showed. Uh, so final question for you. And I ask all of my guests this, um, when you are feeling like your creative energy is a little drained, uh, maybe you have a creative project that you need to be working on. What is uh, something that you do to recharge your batteries? Something that helps you kind of reset so that you can create to your highest potential.
1: I put on my shoes and listen to a book on tape that has nothing to do with business <laughs> and I walk. And, and I'm fortunate that I live in San Diego, coastal, and so I end up walking the beach.
0: That is a great answer. I love that. I love that. I know. What kind, what kind of stuff do you like if you're not going to read something on professional development or anything to do with business? what's your What's your genre? What do you like?
1: Oh, I I'm all over the board. I'll take a, a great biography or even a mystery, uh, but I I love books that allow me to peek into other people's worlds. Mm. And so for example, right now I am quite interested in the book Educated. It mm. is about a woman who grows up in a very uh, religious family and her dad's a prepper and she walks away from that world but listening to how she grew up and what she's exposed to and the information and she's not even allowed to go to school uh, as a child So it's just fascinating to me because, again, the more that we learn about people who are not like ourselves, the more we realize that we're all the same and the more we realize why we need to be open to others.
0: Well, I so look forward to your presentation at the Folsom Women's Conference. Um, so glad that you'll be joining us that day. And so look forward to hearing what else you have to say on the topic. But I want to thank you this morning uh, for for chatting. I Thank you for the for the conversation. I so appreciate it. Colette Car- Carlson, how can people connect with you?
1: Uh, ColetteCarlson.com, 1L2T, so C-O-L-E-T-T-E. C-A-R-L-S-O-N dot com.
0: Okay, have a great next walk on the beach. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Enjoy your day.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Colette Carlson. She is one of the featured speakers at an upcoming virtual event that I'm emceeing. It's the Folsom Women's Conference which is, yes, being organized by Folsom, but is also being done in partnership with Chambers of Commerce around the country to bring women together from many different cities. It's November 19th. The keynote this year is a woman by the name of Evie Pompora. She's a former Secret Service agent, now broadcaster, and author of a book, called Bulletproof. So again, the topic and the, the theme of resiliency will be a, a big theme that day. I'm hosting and running the Q&A with Evie, so I hope you'll consider checking out the conference because who doesn't need professional development, inspiration, or just hanging out with women from other parts of the country? You can check it all out in the comment section of this podcast or just go to FolsomWomensConference.com. Conference.com. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I really I have been enjoying any of the feedback that I get from these podcasts. I love doing them. This is a passion project for me, and I just look for interesting people that I think have something to add to our lives, and I try to bring that to you. So I appreciate any comments uh, you want to make, or if you want to rate my podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, that'd be fantastic, or on the SoundCloud app as well. I really would appreciate it. So thank you so much for being here for another edition of A Fresh Agenda. I'm Christina Mendonca. Let's stay connected conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda.